listening to the beyondthebaselines.com podcast coming to you from Vero Beach, Florida and Marion, Massachusetts. Hosted by Ed Chenefy, this is the podcast that researches and investigates the club management and facility side of our business. Hello and welcome to the Beyond the Baselines podcast. I'm Ed Chenefy, I'm your host. And I'm honored to have you here listening. Each podcast we record, we try to bring you the best news and views from experts in our country club, tennis, and fitness industries. This week we have another packed podcast in our series on women in our industry, in tennis. Kelsey Waite, head professional at Bethesda Country Club, joins me. And she heard that women teaching pros were unicorns. And that piqued her interest. Since hearing that, she's never looked back. Please join us as Kelsey talks about how programming at her club is surpassing open doubles and singles play. Members just want that hour and a half of live ball, no serving, no switching sides, just constant competitive drills. She realizes how lucky she is to be a woman in our industry and believes that to be an advantage and that it has most likely helped her to proceed quickly up the ranks with great help from her male mentors and work colleagues. What would she say to women thinking about taking a step towards becoming a teaching pro? Join us and find out. Before we welcome Kelsey to this episode, I'd like to remind our listeners that our website at www.beyondthebaselines.com is your online portal to our advisors and consultants and expert leaders and has heaps of information for you and your club. If you're a club governor, tennis committee chair, general manager, or just an interested equity stakeholder, please do visit us at beyondthebaselines.com and don't hesitate to reach out either and contact us either by email at beyondthebaselines at gmail.com or by phone on 508-538-1288 with any questions you may have. But now, one of the leading female professionals in the country who studied science and French at college takes the mic with me. How she avoided being pigeonholed and how she looks to improve her knowledge base in teaching every day. Here's Kelsey. I'm really glad to have online with me this week, Kelsey Waite. She's the head pro at Bethesda Country Club. Kelsey, great to have you on the line here and uh, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much, Ed. I'm honored to be here. Thank you for having me. Great to have you here. Most welcome to have you here. You know, we noticed you here in the office in an article that you wrote on LinkedIn and it was titled Quarantine Tennis Pro, Locked Down But Not Locked Out. Wonderful article talking about back in the height of the pandemic, how we as professionals and instructors could continue to communicate with our with our members and with our uh, students. And so take us through that article a little bit just to introduce, it'll help introduce yourself. Well, thank you so much, first of all, for your kind words. I really appreciate that. Uh, this COVID-19 pandemic has been such a crazy time for all of us, um, but particularly for the tennis industry, we have had to navigate this unforeseen set of circumstances. And I think all of us were feeling a little bit of disconnect in every part of our lives, but particularly in our work lives, because we couldn't see our clients, they couldn't see us. And it's this part of their daily lives that they were really missing out on, this physical outlet that they weren't able to access. 
So I was trying to connect with some of my ladies team members and some of my private lessons just to let them know that I was thinking about them. And I thought, hey, you know what? I bet a lot of other people are feeling like this too. So I decided, you know what? Maybe this will be helpful for other people to hear just to know, hey, you're not alone. And and we can still make a difference even if we're at a distance. Very true. Do you have a lot of ladies teams there at Bethesda? We do. (laughs) So if you have had any experience with country clubs, as I know you have, you know that they love ladies teams. (laughs) That's correct. Yes. So we do have, we have probably five, five, I think it just shrunk a little bit because one team moved up. Um, But we have a bunch of ladies teams, constant ladies practices. Obviously that has changed a little bit because of Mm -hmm. COVID-19. But yes, we have lots of matches and practices and opportunities for the ladies to play against other clubs, which is a pretty cool thing to offer for our members. Now, let me ask you, this is a question, and and we're doing a series on women instructors and women in our industry. And before I get to some of the questions I had actually asked you to prepare, I'm going to grill you on one. And I'm going to (laughs) ask you, when when you left university, when you finished your degree, were you planning on teaching tennis? (laughs) What a fun question. I can answer absolutely not. (laughs) <laughs> if I'm being I kind completely of honest. Yes. Well, so take, take us through those, those thought processes as you were a young 23 <laughs> year old. Well, I had just graduated. Um, I got um, my degree in biology with minors in chemistry and French. So none of those are tennis, obviously. Right. Uh, I had been looking at graduate schools. I had looked at Teach for America. I was looking at all kinds of things. Um, And I was always consistently teaching tennis on the side. I thought it was fun. It was something that had brought me so much joy and connected me to so many new people and new experiences. And I thought, hey, it's such a neat thing to be able to share that with others. Uh, And I ended up, I was substitute teaching. I was tutoring French. I was doing all kinds of things. I even waited tables a little bit. And Mm -hmm. I ended up teaching with a girl at Sea Colony and she had asked me, Hey, do you want to help me uh, be my assistant coach for the girls high school team? And I was like, yeah, sure. That sounds great. Long story short, that changed. And I ended up being the head coach for the boys team. Mm -hmm. So I started working with them and I was loving it. I was teaching more private lessons. And while my current boss was on vacation, I ran into him at Ocean City Tennis Center when I was working. He knew my director there. They're very good friends. And we kind of hit it off. And he said, hey, I would love to have you come for an interview. And that's kind of how this whole thing started. I was like, you know, I have an open mind. Why not? We'll go down, see what it's all about. Uh, But, you know, I really don't, I don't know if this industry is really for me. I don't know if I'm really for them. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And I got down there and I was like, wow, I guess I'm moving to Bethesda, Maryland. And the rest is history. So it was a big surprise to me. Um, Totally not something that I had ever even considered, something that I didn't really know was an option for me. So I'm I'm very lucky that it it all worked out. That's, uh, you know, and, and as a female instructor, you, I think, you know, because you're a rare commodity, as we should say in, in our uh, <laughs> industry, uh, a lot of doors open for you. And that that was one right there, right at the beginning, which was great. Um, do you remember the first lesson that you ever gave? I do. So 
It's funny that you said that too, because I heard someone, and it's something I had really not thought much about, but someone had called us unicorns once, once and I thought that mm-hmm. that was hysterical. So <laughs> certainly mm-hmm. we are kind of few and far between, but I think as things continue, I'm seeing more and more uh, women in the industry. And I think that's awesome. So my first tennis lesson I ever gave, I actually gave for free because I was trying to prepare for my USPTA exam. And I had never actually taught private lessons before. I had taught camps and clinics. And I was like, hey, you know what? I should probably try this before I go get (laughs) tested on it. So I was giving um, a few free ones to anybody who walked in the door down at Ocean City Tennis Center uh, just in preparation for my exam. So I was kind of figuring everything out on the fly, which is funny to think about now. (laughs) You know, I I remember my exam very well. Uh, I was just talking about it the other night with Kyle Lacroix, who was my examiner um, down there in Boca. You know, in that exam, now they're changing the exam. I don't know exactly how it's going to work, but it is very nerve wracking for someone like you who was young and hadn't really taught one-on-one because in that exam, you have to teach in front of a jury, a one-on-one <laughs> private lesson. And then I think you, you, they probably made you teach a clinic of some sort too. Correct. Right. And um, for someone who's just raw coming into the industry, that is a very nerve wracking situation especially after you have to hit three out of three serves into certain areas of the service <laughs> box. So I understand your nervousness. And, and sometimes I worry, and it's not just uh, the women, uh, I worry that some people are put off and uh, starting because that certification is, it is nerve wracking if you haven't done it before, if you haven't taught before. And now I know they're changing things so that you have to, you know, I think you have to do something like 600 hours of mentoring slash volunteering slash working before you actually get certified, which I think helps a lot because to, for you to just run in there and try to teach a lesson without any experiences, well, nigh impossible, but you did it. You did yeah, it. that's right. I got lucky again. So <laughs> it all worked out. Um, but you're, you're very right. I do think this new change to the mentoring system is going to be mm-hmm. great for people coming in. I think it will totally change the vibe of, of the testing. <laughs> yes. sites. I remember being, uh, in a room full of guys. Uh, and we were all like, Oh my gosh, what do you think? What stroke do you think we're going to have to teach? And we all had little post-its. Like it it was, Mm -hmm. we were, we were a little stressed, um, solely because, you know, we were all really young and we really hadn't, hadn't done it before, but no, it really, it, it was a good experience because it pushed me out of my comfort zone. Um, and it's funny because a lot of the pros that I work with probably had the opposite experience. They had taught a ton. They got certified. It was no big deal. I feel like for those of us who had that little bit of nervous anxiety when you were taking your test with little, mm-hmm. little to no experience, I think it's nice to see that they're offering um, a little bit of context for people now before they just throw them into the trenches a little bit. <laughs> From your your story there, Ocean City, I I believe that's a public facility? It is, yes. So it's run through the city of Ocean City, the town of Ocean City. And then you were also at, I think you said you were at Sea Colony, which I I understand is a resort of some sort? Yes. So I did some spotlighting at Sea Colony as well. So when it gets colder down there, Ocean City Tennis Center is all outdoor courts. Mm -hmm. Sea Colony is an indoor facility. 
Okay. So that's how I got, I got pulled up there in the off season a bit. And that's how I got connected for that high school team. So it's all about who you meet and that's <laughs> true thing saying yes. So I got, I got lucky, but yes, two very different facilities for sure. And, and now you're at a private club, Bethesda country club. I think you've been there five years. I have hard to okay. believe, but yes. So take us through the differences. So public versus private versus resort. Uh, you have more experience than I have in those three realms. And I'm very interested in hearing what you feel the differences are. <laughs> well, there are plenty, but I'll name a few. So in the public facility that I was at, it was also in a resort town. Mm-hmm. So some of the things for the resort itself still held true for that particular public facility, not necessarily all, but uh, building relationships with people at those two facilities versus the club that I'm at now was a very different thing to do because you'd have quick turnaround for your clientele. So in that resort area, because most people were visiting on vacation, coming into town and then leaving after a weekend or a couple weeks or whatever, um, you would be with them for a, a minute period of time and then they would be out and a new clientele base would be in where mm-hmm. the club that I'm at now, you're seeing and working with the same group multiple, multiple times a week, every single week. So you're really able to, to build these long-term relationships with people and, and see their growth, both of which are really neat. And it was neat in the resort towns because every year you'd get people that had fun and they would come back. So you would still see that progression, but mm-hmm. not not as much as you see it at um, the private club. So that so, was one. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. What, what was what's the second? Uh, budgeting was certainly mm-hmm. a different process. So uh, for the public facility, you know, you, you go through the town itself, all decisions, all proposals. It, there's a whole hierarchy there. Mm-hmm. Certainly with the resort was more similar to the private club that I'm at now, where you have a board, you have a GM, you have a director, and and that's uh, there's a little bit more money to play with in those in those places. So mm-hmm. certainly, what you can offer is different than in that public facility. Um, so that was the major major difference as well. But the most interesting one to me at the private club was, um, and I don't know if this is. I'll have to ask you if this is true for you too, but way less people where I am now are interested in spot time. They don't want to just come out and play as much as they want you to host and run tennis opportunities for them. So whether that is a live ball clinic, a cardio clinic, lessons, kids camps, round robins, it's more of a build it and they will come thing. All the other facilities that I had 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 been a part of were more they wanted to be able to go play tennis with their friends. They wanted to be able to play doubles in a league, something like that. So that was a big surprise to me. I, uh, this is a, this is a wonderful question you shot back at me. And I will tell you that I, I believe in the next five to 10 years, programming will be 95% of all tennis played at, at private clubs, programmable tennis, because this generation, you can see the divide in generations. The older generation calls, has their regular four, four ball on the golf yes. course, <laughs> foursome on the tennis court. Um, and they've been doing that for 20 years. We, as uh, I guess the, we're not millennials, but our generation younger, 
don't have that continuity. We've moved around a lot as kids. I think we've, uh, our families have moved into different, uh, you know, sports, different avenues. And therefore our generation is more likely to pick up a phone. And this is why the tennis concierge position is getting so big at clubs and say, Hey, I want to play with a pro and two other people at three o'clock, get me on the court. Or is there a cardio class at 7am tomorrow morning before I have to go on a zoom call? And again, with the juniors, I think juniors are growing up that way too. So you bring up a wonderful point in, in a major difference between obviously a resort where they're there to just enjoy themselves for a week. And you have to, you know, you didn't say, but you, you do obviously very well is you have to understand someone's game within 30 hits <laughs> yes. because you only have a week <laughs> with them. Right. Exactly. Whereas if you're, if you're year round with someone, you have, you know, a couple of lessons to figure out what, what, what their weaknesses are and what their strengths are and where they're at. Um, and what so those, do you want to prioritize right. in that little bit of time that you have with them? Because you don't have them for the next few months in a row, you know, you have them for a week. So what, what can you give them? That's really going to get them excited and, and passionate about what they're doing. Exactly. So you, I, I'm in, I'm very interested that you have had the same experience. Yes. And, and, and I think for you and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but Bethesda is year round, is it not? Correct. Oh yeah, right. we are <laughs> going so hard, in- going strong right now. Okay. Yes. <laughs> and you're indoor and you have indoor courts in the middle of a pandemic. You're, you're doing, you're doing well. Yes, we are lucky. Tennis is, is hot right now. Um, and we are lucky to be able to do it. Obviously I know some other people aren't as blessed, but we have two bubbles. So one is a three court clay court bubble. The other has two hard courts. And because of the bubble, we have a little bit more leeway because of the airspace than some of uh, those with, with permanent structures. Okay. So here is another a little uh, tidbit of information. So you are going year round. And even there, which I find it, it, even more significant, is that you're having your members call you up for what you say programming. Me, I, at a seasonal club i kind of expect that because there our seasons condensed into it used to be eight weeks then it went to 10 now it's like 16 (laughs) because of covid but uh we are condensed and so the people's times among other activities are condensed but you at a year-round facility uh are finding the same thing which is very interesting oh yes yes they love any kind of programming you can offer and any kind of new programming you can add they are all about it which is, I mean, which is great for us. If, right. if we have people that, that want more of what we can give, that's, that's a great problem to have. You know, in, in, in talking to you about Bethesda, and you've been there five years, so you're in your fifth year-round season. It's easy to keep it fresh when you only see someone for a week. But how do you keep it fresh for that lady that you've seen for the last three years twice a week? <laughs> how do you keep that fresh? And give us one secret, if you, if you might. Ooh, that's a fun question. Um, you know, I think I've been lucky in that my director that I have now, I love, I love Bethesda Country Club. It has been so, so good to me. I'm surrounded by amazing amazing people there. Um, and my director there has been in the industry for over 40 years. And so when you hear that, you're like, okay, what, you know, what is he like, what you think 
is maybe they've been doing it the same way for a little while now. And he likes, he's like, I want to keep it trendy. I want to keep it fresh. If you have any new ideas, let's do it. So I think seeing someone like that, who has been in this for such a long time has been such an inspiration to me as far as like, Hey, if he can keep it trendy after 40 years, like I think I can keep it trendy after a couple of weeks or keep it fresh for people after a couple of weeks. And I think a big part of that is really connecting to the people you're teaching and finding out what their end goal is really. And it's like, Hey, I want to give you that instant success. Like maybe we're still working on your forehand mechanics, but you want to be able to go out and play. So let's try to start giving you some rallying tips. Let's try to get you in these uncomfortable situations so that we can build you up and make you more confident and calm <laughs> on court. I think that would be my biggest secret is really connect to, to the person you're teaching and, and see what they're looking for with their tennis game. Right. So take us through a day at Bethesda country club and in your five years there, what have you found? And this is follow-up to that question. What have you found <laughs> most interesting and or surprising in your first five years, but take us through a general day. What do you, how does your day look? Okay. Um, well, the general day has changed a little bit recently because of COVID. I am lucky in that every day is a little bit different. So one major concern that I had prior to jumping into this role was getting pigeonholed. I thought, oh my gosh, I don't want to do the same thing every day. I would be so bored. I really love learning and trying new things and growing. And I, I really don't want to, um, I don't want to stick myself in something where I'm going to be repeatedly doing this monotonous thing all the time. And I'm lucky to report that that is 1000% not the case. So at BCC, like I'll give you an example. Yesterday, I woke up, I met some members there. I helped them. We were playing pickleball for an hour and a half. So we woke up, played pickleball for an hour and a half. And then right after that, I had a private lesson. <laughs> on the tennis then, court. On the tennis court. Yes. So we have pickleball lines down on our hard courts. And then we have mm -hmm. the temporary net. So we pull out, which is lovely. Great to be able to, to use our facility in multiple ways. And after that, I had a private lesson. <laughs> after that private lesson, I taught a live ball clinic. So that is like match simulation games. Do you have, do you guys have live ball? at your seasonal yes, club? Yes, yes, that's, okay. our, that's our number one program. Is, it's our is, number one program as well. Yes, okay. <laughs> so huge, huge live ball. Um, after that, taught some more private lessons. Later in the day, had junior clinics. After junior clinics, taught another live ball. And then I went home and ate dinner. <laughs> okay, so, it, so you, you basically spent the day almost exclusively on the court. Yes. Now, certainly yeah. every day is different here and there. We'll have, we'll have breaks. Um, yeah. I've been very lucky recently. We, people really want their tennis. They want that outlet. So we're mm -hmm. trying to give them as much as we can. <laughs> now, now when you say pigeonholed uh, and, and that's a word I've used before, a lot of uh, women on our podcast, in, in fact, have said, you know, I've been pigeonholed as the tenant under director because I'm a woman. Yes. Or I'm pigeonholed to, uh, as, as the junior high school coach. Uh, what were you worried about being seen as? What was your worry? I think similar to what you had said, I wanted to teach 
every demographic possible. I wanted to pull myself in different directions so that I could really learn and grow and become a better coach. So I, as much as I love the 10 and unders because they are so fun, (laughs) Mm -hmm. I didn't want to exclusively do 10 and under, and I didn't want to exclusively do beginners. So it, it, it has been very fun to me because I love teaching both of those groups are two of my favorite groups, but it has been fun to me to have a lot of variety within my clientele base. So I've had men, women, kids, teenagers, adults, people that didn't know they were going to start playing again after 30 years. Um, and, and it's nice. Uh, it keeps it fresh for us. I'm sure you, you are familiar with that feeling. You want to try new things. You don't want to do the same drill every day for the rest of your life. Oh yes. No, I, (laughs) I, uh, over Christmas break down here, I, I help out and, uh, I had my first, uh, four-year-old on the court in, in many a, a year, I think. And it was a, it was a refreshing task to Aww. come up with a, an, a half hour of, you know, drills for four and, and a two-year-old. So that's um, so yes. fun. And I it, taught it, my it, first two-year-old group this year. <laughs> that's what we were having consistently too. At the, as you know, that's a wild ride. <laughs> oh, and I, I ended up that the two-year-old kind of crashed the lesson. So I ended up teaching the two-year-old as well because her sister was the four-year-old and we couldn't separate them. So, yeah. And, and, and because of that, and, and we all giggle, you know, teaching two-year-olds, but you become a better instructor. As you just said, you'd like to teach every demographic. You're, you're teaching a two-year-old helps with teaching a beginner who's 26 because of the eye-hand coordination, because of the, 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 the grip and how you introduce a grip to a person who's never played before, even if they're over 30, that two-year-old helps, you know, your introduction of the grips. So I, I applaud you for wanting to teach every, every demographic. Um, and I think that's uh, a way forward for everyone to listen to uh, that. If given the chance, take the opportunity to teach any demographic because it will help you with your favorite demographic. 1000% agree. Yes. Teaching. Yep. And, and like you said, teaching those two-year-olds, it, it forces you to communicate in a different way. And I think it's easy when you get comfortable doing something and confident doing something to kind of go on autopilot a little bit. Um, And I I think if we're really, really focused on communicating with each student in a little bit of a different way, you can relate to people in a little bit of a different way. I think the outcome of what what you're giving them will be tenfold. So how do you relate to a woman who won't play with a certain partner on your DBA, not your DBH, <laughs> but on your second ladies team, how would you, how would you relate to that person? How do you, how do you diffuse the fire? How, how do you do it? What, what's your secret? You know, I think the number one thing there is listening. I think when, when there is that fire, people really want to be heard first and foremost, they want you to understand and hear what they're saying. So I think the biggest thing is hear them out. Let's, let's see what they're talking about. Let's see if there is a common ground there. Let's see if we can kind of diffuse the situation in another way, or, Hey, maybe you guys aren't meant to be on court together, but sometimes if you're there and you take the time to really hear them out and listen, they will give you the same opportunity to speak. And and sometimes you can help them see things in a slightly different light.
have you ever felt intimidated as one of the unicorns in our industry, as you call yourself? <laughs> have you ever felt intimidated or have you ever felt uh, belittled? Um, you know, it's little little things have, have happened. Like I, I showed up, this was early on, right after I started teaching at, at Bethesda. And one of the moms was like, oh, are you here for the high school clinic? And I was like, no, I'm teaching the high school clinic. Um, <laughs> so, so that was a little bit like, wait a minute. But I, I feel like I really didn't understand that I, I was in a minority. I don't know if I was just blissfully unaware or if, if I was just used to being around like awesome groups of guys that like to play tennis. Uh, I certainly know women as well. But I, I really didn't click for me that we were vastly outnumbered as females in the industry until I was at one of the big USPTA conferences. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wow, I'm very young. And <laughs> I still got like a sore thumb here, kind of, um, but in a, in a good way, you know, so that I was like, hmm, wait a minute, there aren't as many uh, young females here as I kind of expected there to be. That was the first time. And I feel like as far as feeling intimidated, uh, I haven't really felt the intimidation factor as a female, but I have felt like when I started working at Bethesda, I'm surrounded by these awesome pros. Like the guys I work with are are really just top-notch human beings, but also really, really good at what they do. And some of them have had more years of teaching experience than I have been alive. Mm -hmm. So it is that was very humbling. And it was one of those things where you're like, Oh my gosh, like, I hope I can, (laughs) I hope (laughs) I can really fit in with the, these guys. And and I have been lucky because I like to think of myself like a little sponge. Like I'll see something I like, or hear something I like from someone. I'd be like, Ooh, like that's really useful. Like maybe I'll use that or like, Hey, like that's a cool way to think about this. Um, right. So, so I think every, every pro kind of brings something different to the table and totally different personalities to the table as well. So I, I think, uh, I've been intimidated more by, <laughs> more oh, by it, that it, than the gender it, thing. That's fantastic because it, it goes both ways. I always worry when I hire someone younger than I, uh, you know, I can't get to that wide ball anymore, but they can, you know, and, um, <laughs> And it goes yes. both ways. We, 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 as, uh, I guess, mentors in the industry, we, we worry that, you know, maybe we're not offering the right advice at the right time or to the right person. Um, so it goes both ways. There should be, you know, a performer once said to me uh, in musical theater, if you're not nervous going on stage, something's wrong. And, and, and I think there's a lot to that in that we are on a stage and we should always be a little nervous that we're providing for our members and our students and, 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 and being a part of a good team and making a great performance. I love that. And that's, it's funny. I love that you're a theater guy too. I was, I was a a theater nerd as well. And I kind of explained taking off a day to somebody like that. I was like, it's like, you're a one man show, but then the one man leaves. (laughs) Oh, there's a, yeah. Yep. It, that it, it is there is that element of hey showtime like you're you're there it is an absolute privilege to take someone's one hour of free time a day and help them have fun with it I mean well, not you, many people can say they do that at work that's true and what I love about live ball is that we can be on the stage running a six-person court and we just sit on the stage I mean we're we have to make that fun. I mean, the game is fun, but your commentary 
and your instruction has to make it really fun. And that's, oh. that's being on stage. A hundred percent. The, and the, it's fun in a private club too, because you really get to know the people. So some yeah. of them, they like it. If you, you can joke around with them during yep. the live ball, give them a hard time, make them laugh, make it, yes. make it fun. Like they enter the bubble and they know they're going to have a good time with the next hour and a half. Do you think being uh, a woman instructor, a woman professional, do you get a nod from certain groups to teach more? I mean, obviously, you, you know, you said you're going to get pigeonholed, you know, possibly, <laughs> and, and you weren't. But do, do you see a lot of those, uh, the men, the weekend warriors wanting to come down and hit balls with you? Do you see the women's doubles teams going, hey, you know, I prefer Kelsey because she understands women's doubles. Do you get any of that? Do you see any of that? There, the one that I have seen, um, certainly kids, which I love, and I have seen a little bit of, of everybody, but the one big one that sticks out to me since I've come to Bethesda is the preteen and teenage girls. Mm-hmm. I've gotten a fair amount of them and it's really, really neat. Like I've had parents say, Hey, like, it's really neat to have a role model for them and someone that they can see and, and immediately say, Hey, like, she kind of looks like me or, Hey, like <laughs> there's a young girl here that's bubbly and not scary. And it, it kind of calms them down and, and can make them more comfortable trying something uncomfortable. You're a head pro. So you've done very well already in your career. What would be the one thing you could tell to any woman listening now, who's thinking about going into our industry? And I hope they do. What would you Ooh. tell them right here, right now? If you, they were in front of you, Oof, that's such a good question. <laughs> I would say, first of all, believe that you've got it. I think there's a little bit of a fake it till you make it element to this industry. Initially, mm-hmm. I think you see people that are out there all day and you're like, oh my gosh, like I've never taught a private lesson before. How do I get to that point where, you know, three people could come or 23 people could come and it's fine either way. I don't need to mm-hmm. <laughs> make post-its to know what I'm going to do. Um, I think connecting with other pros in the industry has been huge for me, really bouncing ideas off of each other. Like I had one um, other female in the industry, actually, Neely Zervakis in Virginia. She and I were connecting and, and bouncing ideas off of each other during COVID or connecting with people who have been in the industry longer than you and, and focus on maybe something like a high, I don't teach as many high performance kids, talk to someone who does something like that. So you can really grow and develop and learn, learn from other people who have been doing it longer than you. I say connect with other, other pros that have, have been in the industry, I think would be my number one piece of advice. You know, believe that you've got it. There's a, being a musical theater guy, there's a song in the whiz called believe in yourself. And, <laughs> yes. um, it's, you know, it's so true. If you go and listen to that song, if, if anyone's listening right now, go, go YouTube it, the whiz, believe in yourself. And I think that's probably the number one uh, statement you could say to anybody thinking about entering the industry is believe that you've got it because uh, you'll only get better if you believe in yourself. Kelsey, it's been wonderful having you here on on the podcast. Uh, Thank you so much for your time and your thoughts and and sharing your experiences with us. Thank you so much for having me, Adam. It was really fun talking to you. Thank you so much for listening this week. We really appreciate it. 
I just want to let everyone know that our introductory music is by Ed Shanafy Sr. and his amazing trio. And all the chapter breaks is original music by my daughter, Olivia Shanafy. We hope to hear more from them as we continue this podcast through 2021. And we hope to see more of you as well. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to BeyondTheBaselines.com podcast. It's a pleasure bringing you each week's news and views and great guests from our tennis, fitness, and country club industries. You can always reach the team here at BeyondTheBaselines at gmail.com or on the phone at 508-538-1288. Please do visit our website at www.BeyondTheBaselines.com, which is updated regularly with even more information for you, your club, or your facility. See you again soon.